This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, Shakespeare once said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are mere players. This is a classic example of a metaphor. And today's guest knows a thing or two about metaphors. In fact, he's crafted a number of his own. Ryan, who are we speaking with today? Today's guest is Oscar Santolaja from Helsinki, Finland. After a decade and a half in the technology arena, Oscar embarked on a mission to help people in technology companies present better, inspire others, and sell more. He's the author of two books, Rock the Tech Stage and Create and Deliver a Killer Product Demo. Oscar helps professionals in the technology industry rediscover the power of sharing their best ideas on stage. Since 2014, Oscar has hosted Time to Shine, a podcast about public speaking. He works as a sales engineer at UB Secure, where he hosts another podcast, Let's Talk About Digital Identity, and leads the company's product training program. Oscar has served as a public speaking coach for several TEDx events. The topic of today's conversation is based on an article that Oscar wrote for the March 2022 issue of The Toastmaster. It's called Metaphorically Speaking, Use Visual Language to Build a Bridge Between You and Your Audience. Oscar is a member of two Toastmasters clubs, Finlandia Toastmasters and Northern Stars. Distinguished Toastmaster, Oscar Sentolaja, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Greg. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure being here, especially I've been following, of course, and listening to your interviews through these years. Awesome. That's absolutely fantastic. To kick things off, Oscar, why don't we start by defining what a metaphor actually is? Absolutely. Metaphor, first of all, is a figure of speech. In practice, is one word. A metaphor is one word or a few words that form an image, something that creates an, an image in our minds, and that reflects the point we want to make in a figurative way instead of literal way. So in practice, two things need to be done to have a metaphor, first of all. Use the visual language, again, the, uh, the audience or the reader has to paint a picture in their minds. And the second, it, that is, the metaphor, the, the word or words are replacing the literal meaning. So that is a metaphor. We are hearing and using metaphors, I would say, every day. Super. Can you give us a couple of examples of maybe some well-known or famous metaphors? Sure. A very common metaphor, for instance, if you say, it's going to be clear skies from now on. Well, clear skies literally... Uh, doesn't say anything, but what it means is actually it's going to be like good times, um, good things to happen. So it completely, if you if you read literally, well, there's <laughs> there's no sense. But uh, that's how metaphors create this visual language and uh, replace some meaning. Martin Luther King Jr. in the "I Have a Dream" speech has many of these metaphors. For instance, he said. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksand 
of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. So quicksand, solid rocks, using this visual imagery to, uh, to show his points that he was saying. And there are yeah, many in, in famous speeches in today's presentations in the written language newspapers everywhere. Perfect. So there's a similar rhetorical device I can remember in elementary school uh, learning about this alongside metaphors, and that is the simile. What's the difference between a metaphor and a simile? Yeah, normally I call them like they are cousins because they mm. are very, <laughs> very similar. Um, the, the difference in a simile is that in this figure of speech, we are comparing two things, comparing one thing with another. And we need to use the words like or as at the beginning. That's what we need to, we need to use. One, um, one example I, I like, I don't know if you're familiar with it. There's a Scottish brewery called Brew Dog. And yes. this, yeah, these guys who are entrepreneurs, they do it in a kind of rebel way. And they brought one book and grabbed my attention when I saw the, the, the title of one of the chapters. It, it says, defend your gross margin like a junkyard Rottweiler. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's it. I mean, saying like a junkyard Rottweiler is like fiercely, right? Defense fiercely. Like, yeah, but when, when you find meta... Uh, when, in the way metaphor and simile in this case is the same visual language that is much more powerful than just the literal word. So the simile is when something is like something, but the metaphor is when it is something. You try to yeah. create that visual. Okay, yeah. super. I mean, obviously in our conversations and also seeing some of the things that you've written and things that you've spoken about, you're pretty passionate about metaphors. What was it about metaphors that got you started almost a crusade? <laughs> is a crusade or like a crusade, Greg? <laughs> Just to be is clear. A <laughs> is a crusade. <laughs> yeah, actually, both are valid, I believe. Can be the metaphor and the simile version of saying that. Well, first of all, why I get interested in metaphors, first of all, I found them when I start paying attention to famous speeches famous presentation talks or reading. And mostly with our, many of us has this predilection for uh, listening to talks and public speaking. So I found them, first of all. And then as I, I work in the technology industry, I found out that they are very, very useful tools. So we really need them in technology more than in any other fields, I believe, because we need to introduce a complex, a new idea, concept. We have to find some tool to, to make it more accessible, understandable to the audience. So I believe that's, that's the main, main reason I, I start paying attention and uh, start uh, when, when I find metaphors, write it down and start collecting and collecting and gradually also making my own. Obviously, they work for you. <laughs> what is it about metaphors, do you think, Oscar, that makes them so powerful? Yeah, there are a few reasons. One is that they use visual language. Visual language creates uh, imagery in our minds, so and also can create emotions. So that's that already makes it very powerful. Another reason is that make us connect fields that are are different. Something that is complex, as I said, technical. Something that 
regular audience would not understand probably very little at all can uh, connect with another field or theme that is is familiar like talking about rocks um quicksand rock everybody knows what what those are so making that connection which is needed as i said when you want to explain something new or or complex making that connection with something that the audience is familiar is yeah it's a challenge in something that can be done with a metaphor you're talking about technology and obviously yes it's you got to create all kinds of similes metaphors and analogies to be able to help explain the technology but i'm also thinking you mentioned this before and you also mentioned in the article that a metaphor could be used as a tool of persuasion so in trying to get someone to invest in technology try to get someone to adopt technology to help them better understand it what do you think makes metaphors so persuasive there is a really good quote that metaphors are the nuclear weapon of communication <laughs> yeah <laughs> which when you hear nuclear weapon it kind of a bit of worry or fear gives you this feeling just hearing that word and indeed they can be very powerful they can be used for for good uh, for instance to convince people to take um, medical advice seriously but of course can also be used to manipulate people so it has that because by having this visual um, effect paint a picture in your mind it can create any emotion actually the, the one who writes or or tells the metaphor can create intentionally one one emotion in people so they are very powerful if i'm not mistaken it was simon lancaster speechwriter who used that example the nuclear weapon of communication that's correct i heard from from him and yeah he's also the way that he said it when i when i uh, watched it for the first time yeah it's, it's it was powerful and really it stuck in my mind mm. i'd like to ask you a question a bit on the philosophical front oscar just digging in a bit more into the persuasiveness of metaphors there's an idea that language not only describes reality, but can actually shape reality, or at least shape our perception of reality. And I wonder if you might have any thoughts about this topic, or if you see that as something that metaphors can do to actually shape our perception of reality. Yes, I agree with that. I think it can shape our, our reality. I mean, because there are metaphors that we are hearing all the time, even without noticing, and and they are, um, especially when they come in our unconscious mind, I mean, they you hear, you read, you don't pay attention, but they are coming to your mind. They are coming to your mind, and they are already forming one opinion. And typically those are unfortunately used in, for instance, for the media, trying to fear people or try to get us somehow addicted to, to read news, also politicians. So I believe that you are right. It shapes also our perceptions. In your article, you quote Winston Churchill, who referred to the Iron Curtain, which I think of that maybe as an example of something that's shaped the public's imagination. When you hear the Iron Curtain, there's this whole world of associations that seems to be embedded in those two words, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I believe. 
that metaphor had been used a bit before him, but also for the same meaning. He made it more famous, let's say, when he used it in his own speech and at the right moment. That concept lasted for several decades, as you know, and today we're still referring that and we're thinking that that iron curtain might come again. So it's still something that lasts, it's something that has stuck in, in our minds for, as I say, for decades. Those two words also connected with me when I read the article and it was like all of a sudden those two words, that little metaphor, all of a sudden brought back a lot of, obviously I wasn't living in that time period, but it brought back a lot of memories, all the things that were going on, all the things that were happening, all of the things that you heard in the news. There's no doubt that it's extremely, extremely powerful. Now, Oscar, I'd like to shift a little bit to talking about preparation for presentations. Obviously, you've discovered the power of metaphors. And I'm just curious, could you share a little bit with us about how metaphors factor into your preparation for your presentations? Do you have a target number of metaphors that you try to incorporate into every talk? When you're writing your speeches or doing your presentations or even writing, do you purposefully insert metaphors or do you just let them come naturally? To me, it's more... I had to be more intentional. Uh, I guess there are some people who who use the let's say the day-to-day metaphors more often. Probably I'm not the one who use, uses them the most, like unconsciously all the time. But yeah, I made the decision the, to use them every time I need to make a presentation as much as I can. Try to find if there's something new to do. Uh, for instance, to go more recent times and also more into let's say business particular. There is one person, one executive, he's uh, Mark Benoff, founder and CEO of Salesforce. In his book, I read maybe eight years ago, he talked about how he created metaphors himself intentionally. You know? One quote is, relate your product to something that is current and relevant and that everyone understands. So that phrase illustrates very well why you need metaphors. and. For me, the time to prepare for a presentation, um, yeah, I follow my regular way to to prepare. Um, I define my uh, my message, the structure, the talk, and then after that, when I need to find, let's say, examples, concrete, how to illustrate the points, there it comes. Metaphor as one of the many tools that I could use, like stories or props or visuals, something else. So, metaphor is one of the tools that I can used to illustrate some of the points, especially the most difficult ones, or one that I would like to emphasize. So for me, it's about metaphors is one of the tools that I use, let's say, in the later stages of the preparation for, for a talk. And I have done my best to create some metaphors. I think some were yeah, interesting. So yeah, I, I do my best to, to create my own metaphors and also use some good ones that make sense for the specific topic I'm presenting. Okay. So you look at what you have, you say, I need to find a way to connect with this audience. This sounds a little bit too technical. I've got the tools at my disposal. Perhaps a metaphor would work perfectly here. That's what it sounds like your methods are. Yeah, exactly. And also seeing the, of the, what is exactly the audience you are talking to, because yeah, metaphors also have this, uh, let's say, cultural and geographical connotation in which some great metaphors can be for one country. And then the other side of the world, well, they don't mean anything. Simply, they don't mean anything. People will not understand them. 
That's a great idea because sometimes when you're trying to find a way of, like I said, making that connection, maybe you're finding a story. If you specifically think, is there a metaphor that works here? I think that's clever. I think that's definitely a tool to add to one's arsenal. I'd love for you to walk us through, Oscar, your four steps for how to create a metaphor. Sure. Actually, it's, it's, quite, it's quite simple. The steps, if you just want to create a metaphor from scratch, you would say, okay, I want to make a metaphor of, uh, let's say, remote presentations. Your mind will start, try to jump from every, every idea that you, you want. So the best is to start defining one theme, one field in which you narrow down and start brainstorming there. The first step is to choose one field or theme, which your audience, your specific audience, is very familiar. So imagine that your audience is, uh, is fond of science fiction, let's say, something specific. Yeah? Your audience knows about science fiction, they like that, okay? Mm -hmm. Then you make a list of uh, specific objects, ideas, people that are related to that field, let's say, Okay, for science fiction, maybe also you can help me, but let's say starships can be, um, what else would be about science fiction? Mm -hmm. Black holes. Yeah. What else aliens. Aliens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aliens, uh, captain, crew, teletransportation, uh, stars. Star so, Trek. Yes, exactly. So these are the ideas that, all of these ideas are related to to the science fiction. So, okay, let you make a list of, let's say 10, 20 of these. And then you, you, you bring back your idea, what we wanted to convert into a metaphor. So let's say it's remote presentation. So remote presentations, which one is similar to the list of ideas that you just listed? And yeah, teletransportation is something similar because that's a metaphor I use. I say that teletransport us to your living room in which I want to convey the idea in, in remote presentation. Uh, I make them feel that they are not on the other side of the screen, not on the other side of the, the world. So they are with me, having that connection with the audience. Those are the steps. I see. It's a matter of yeah, trying to uh, set the field and make a list of ideas, bring your, the concept that you would like to relate and find the best one. So today's meeting is we're going to have in the holodeck. Exactly. And just a note for our listeners, you can find Oscar's four-step method in the article that we mentioned at the start of the podcast and also linked in the show notes. This is a fun game. Yeah, I hope people enjoy that. So Oscar, like yourself, I have a background in technology and, and I too learned many years ago that using things like analogy, storytelling, and rhetorical vices like similes and metaphors would often help bridge that gap, especially when speaking to a non-technical audience, or in my case, it was writing for a non-technical audience. I had a column in a local newspaper. It was a weekly column on technology. And I remember that my dad being very non-technical, I would use him as a barometer to see whether or not mm -hmm. the stories made sense and that I wasn't being too technical. Now, in your latest book, Rock the Tech Stage, you actually share 10 best practices on how to masterfully speak in the technology arena. And what's interesting is that you specifically single out the metaphor as one of those 10. So maybe at this point, tell us a little bit about your book and how did you address the metaphor issue in the book? Sure. This book you mentioned is Rock the Tech Stage. It's actually my second book. I released this in 
late 2020, after doing quite a lot of research about how to present effectively, especially for technical topics. So I wanted to do a book that, first of all, shows examples of famous people in the technology arena and their best stories, their best uh, metaphor, their best use of props, their best data visualizations. So doing this type of summary in 10 chapters, first of all, I needed to define what are these 10 secrets, that's how I call it in the book, 10 secrets of 10 most in, important tools. Yeah, and when I, I can tell you some of them, uh, story, uh, demos, probable demonstration, metaphors, database, passion, props, presentation, interaction, staging, memory. I think metaphors came from the very beginning to be one of those tools that, as I say, I found many good examples in the technology industry and I wanted to find more and give some best practices how to use the metaphors. But, but the book overall is, is for everyone who is working in the technology industry. Either you're a techie who wants to make simpler the way you share your ideas, you want to share your ideas and make it simpler and spread your, uh, your audience. Or for, let's say, business people, not technical people who are dealing with, with technology, also that helped them a lot. Mm, interesting. Now, the book is not necessarily, you said it's not just technology-based, but also for someone who's in business. So anybody who wants to sort of get better at their practices, using analogies, this would work for them. Yeah, absolutely. The most important thing, uh, my book compared to others, is the example. You will find a lot of examples of stories, metaphors, use of props, etc., from the technology industry. So that's one of the salient points of the book. I'm also thinking that this would also be a great addition to any Toastmasters projects that someone might do. And speaking of Toastmasters, you are a Toastmaster. Maybe we'll just bridge into a little bit about how you discovered Toastmasters and what's it done for you. Sure. I was already in Finland, I think maybe my third, fourth year in Finland. And as in Peru, I, I was already just before coming here, I was a lecturer. So I had some public speaking experience. But of course, that was in Spanish. So in, in, here in, in professionals, I was in English. So I wanted to really find ways to practice. And I was lucky that there was, at that time, there was one newspaper in English called Helsinki Times. And reading there, I found one article with the, the very few clubs at that time that were from Toastmasters. I never heard Toastmasters before. I read it. I said, okay, this sounds interesting. So I went there and yeah, I like it from the beginning. So few months after that, I was joining and that was already, I think, 11 years ago. So it's been a journey in which I completed my DTM. It took me years, but I did it. I also been serving as a club president, also area director. I'm still active. I'm in two clubs now. One is in Spanish, actually. One is in English. So yeah, I'm active and enjoying all, all the nice experience and, and the benefits of being part of this organization. And you can put a lot of these metaphors to work. That's great. Oscar, as we wind up here, can you share with us and with our listeners, what's the best place for listeners to connect with you and how can they find your books, your podcasts? Sure. Thank you. Uh, I think the best way to find my book, um, my books and what I do is in the website rockthetechstage.com, rockthetechstage.com. And also about my podcast, Time to Shine, which is eight years old already. Wow. Time to shine podcast.com. 
if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is the best way. Oscar Santalaja, you are a rock star. You too. You are a rock star. Thank you for having me. Folks, if you've really enjoyed this podcast, please make sure that the Toastmasters podcast is not kept a secret. Please share it with your friends and family. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, right? Oscar, thanks so much for coming on the show today and rocking the Toastmasters podcast. It's been really fun. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. And all the best. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.